0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, y'all? Happy Friday. Depending on how the Celtics play for the rest of the day, this could be a sad Friday. We're going into it with good vibes, good hopes. Win all go home day. I'm joined by Mr. Brendan Nunes. We're going to talk about what we saw in game four. Yeah. yeah, and then we're going to talk about what we want from Game 5. You see how I was doing? Quick math in my head and Brendan saved me. Brendan's recording from his new crib out in somewhere expensive Sacramento, California, living oh, the adult life Thanks. now. How's it going, <laughs> Brendan? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to be on here. And yeah,
1: like you're saying, hopefully it's a hopeful Friday rather than uh, a depressing Friday with being knocked out. Um, yeah, Boston, Game 4. The Tyler Hero game is probably what this one's going down as, right?
0: Yeah, the game where Hero made his uh his mark early in his career, already writing his name into Miami Heat legend status, beating a record held by Dwayne Wade. I liked how Dwayne Wade made fun of that on Twitter. Did you see that? I didn't see the record tweet. I saw him tweet about uh, Tyler Hero's best friend. Oh, so um, someone tweeted out, I think it was the Heat account tweeted out, like, um, Tyler Hero now holds the record for most points scored by a rookie for the Miami Heat. And Dwayne Ray just quote, quote retweeted that saying, Oh, that was fun while it lasted because he was the one (laughs) that held it for that. But it was a short lived record. I mean, look, man, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying, Oh, Tyler Hero went once, one spot before Romeo Langford. And there's two arguments that I want to come back up with that to begin this episode. One, he went before Romeo Langford, but Boston didn't pass up on this dude. So I don't know why everyone's throwing shade at Boston for not picking a guy that was picked before they got to pick. That's just nonsensical in itself. And two, nobody really knows what Romeo Langford is right now. He's been injured all year. When he hasn't been injured, he's been trying to find a rhythm. When he has found a rhythm, he's picked up another injury. Does that mean he's made a glass? We don't know. Does it mean that this is how his career is going to be now? Is this the trajectory he's on? Just a guy that comes into the league with legendary high school status a good cottage season behind him but just can't stay healthy we don't know but throwing shade at boston over Tyler hero, hero going 13th that's nonsensical nobody passed on him well boston didn't pass i should say so have other teams passed on him we can throw shade at them but boy this guy can score in so many different ways
1: yeah it was his creating that was crazy to me that he was doing it at three levels like he was a killer in the mid-range he was running the pick and roll himself um but doing it off the dribble was where i was really surprised and that's what felt like the difference in this one um and towards the end you know like boston got a little lazy with how often they were switching i think that like you didn't I, i don't know if yeah, I don't know exactly who they were trying to hide Kemba on this game um, because at moments it looked like they would prefer Kemba on Hero rather than Jimmy. But then when Hero started to get going, um, it, yeah, I don't know. They, they kept attacking Kemba. Boston, uh, Miami was like brutally attacking Kemba. And yeah, Tyler Hero himself off the dribble was able to attack Kemba and plenty of others on all three levels came through insanely clutch he's been clutch in this series but this was the first time it felt like he like did it on his own and yeah i mean throughout the whole game and we've talked about closing a bunch this one the first half was it's pretty bad basketball on both sides i would say
0: yeah so first of all the nickname tyler needs is a nickname induced by a rapper i should say he's not a rap legend or anything but he needs to be tyler the creator after that performance <laughs> that's what i'm it's going with. it's Tyler, the creator hero there's going to be so many hero puns like it's such a last name i know dude it's um look man at the end of the day if we're talking about our first half basketball i, I woke up at 6am my time which is about an hour and a half before after the game finished uh, because it started at like 1:45am finished at like 4:30am I, I'm not staying awake all night. Like It's not happening on a work day. But I wake up, I don't check my phone, I turn the game on, I'm sleepy, so I pause it, make a coffee, come back. And the first half was really tough for me to stay awake through. I'm there with my notebook trying to take notes and all I wrote down was re-watch this again later because it was such a broken set of basketball on both sides, it was scrappy. Jason Tatum just couldn't get anything to drop. It was just a tough, tough first half. Yeah, literally
1: nothing that Tatum could get to drop. He scored zero points in that first half. And, yeah, I mean, in a game that was really do or die, like Boston's not out of the series, but 2-2-3-1, two, two, this was a major swing game right here. And for Tatum, clearly the best guy on the Celtics, come out and lay an egg at the beginning. A lot of it, to me, wasn't that like he was just missing. He just genuinely looked bad. Um, they didn't come out with a great energy like this was a must-win game, uh, which it clearly is. And, yeah, we know what Miami does. Miami's going to bring that energy all 48 minutes, and that's what's really eaten at the Celtics here. I will say, like, Miami also was slow in the first half. Um, you know, Brad said I think it was 50-42 at halftime, and he felt lucky that that was the the difference there. And, yeah, I mean, going into the third quarter, Tatum, Tatum, like, Made up the points that he missed out on the first half, but he still—I still think that you know—that's not an excuse that he still. I mean, yeah, he ended with 28, but he could have ended with with 40 if he had even just a decent first half from him. And yeah, I mean, Jalen 20, Walker 20 as well. Like the guys got it rolling in the second half, but it came down to not bringing it for
0: 48 minutes, and then the clutch situation again. Yeah, I mean the other thing is as well. Like you can look at the way the Heat played and be like, Tyler Hero is the reason they won this game without that breakout performance. Miami don't win. But you can also look at it if Tatum hits two or three shots in the first half, then Miami don't win. Like it was, so, it was such a close game and it was very based upon bad decision making on Boston's um on on Boston, where. There's unforced errors happening. Miami's pressure wasn't that great, but Boston were finding a way to turn the ball over. Some of the shots they took were questionable. Others were really good shots that just couldn't get to fall. Miami's zone defense is good. I'm not going to lie. We spoke about this at length, but I feel like Boston have learned to kind of live with that now and attack it right. There was a couple of sequences where it was... Driving kick, driving kick, driving kick, finally open shooter and shoot. And they weren't falling, but they were really good offensive sequences. And then you have someone like Marcus Smart that's made a bunch of bad choice shots and quite a considerable amount of turnovers, but finishes the game with 11 assists. This was a very, and Smart's performance to me was symptomatic of the way the Celtics played overall. It was like Jekyll and Hyde, for every one thing they did good, they did too bad, and that bit them in the bum as they kind of went down the stretch. You mentioned the turnovers, definitely a key in this game,
1: 19 turnovers. And it felt like down the stretch, they were just, it, it wasn't, I think I heard John Corrales mention this on his pod as well. Like they weren't just live ball turnovers, which are clearly the worst. They pretty much got given to Miami and just to allow them to start a break. And that obviously didn't fare well for Boston. Um, I think that this was the first game. I actually feel like Miami was just the better team, weirdly. Like, I know there's two other ones that Miami took as well, obviously, but it felt like Boston blew those, and it was because Boston lost more than Miami won, if that makes sense. And that feels reversed for the first time in this one. Like, I actually feel like Miami was just the better team
0: throughout this really kind of entire game. Yeah, they were definitely, uh, Miami were definitely more fired up for this one. They played with a lot more intensity than what I saw Boston play with. I don't know whether that's to do with the, the gap. But like Boston had the momentum coming out of game three. They'd just won. They were ready to come in and type the series. And then boom, there's a three-day break. And whether or not that played a part in that momentum kind of dying down and players getting in, inside their own heads and thinking, to you don't know how it kind of pans out but Boston definitely started the game lethargic and by the time they got into it Miami were already confident in their execution on both sides of the floor they'd allowed Boston had allowed a couple of the Miami guys to get comfortable in what they were doing and confident in making their shots and from then it's always an uphill battle what did Boston lead for like 0.8 seconds of the entire game it was something crazy
1: yeah it was ridiculous and there's no reason like you mentioned to come out lethargic in a such a pivotal game in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, I think we talked even last episode, if not one before, about Celtics needing, like, a guy that can just take over. And it didn't happen. Like, in the first half specifically, like, nobody could buy a bucket and there wasn't somebody to just say, give me the ball, get out of the way. I think that Brad, like, went to a lineup of Tatum and a bunch of bench guys and was really looking for Tatum to do that. And it didn't happen. Um, Yeah, I mean, kind of harped on enough of his first half – um, but it goes to a lot of different guys. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it really, the turnovers were, were terrible. Six Tatum, four for Jalen, four for Marcus, even though Marcus did have those 11 assists that you pointed out. Um, yeah, I mean, that was probably the roughest part. And you mentioned like the issues with the zone that Boston has gotten better at. I think that a lot of times, like at the top of the zone with the two athletic guys, Miami's putting there a lot of times, Jake Crowder, Jimmy Butler, If you just run a pick and roll at the top of the zone in between the two guys top of the key then there's nothing going on there you're not going to get to the middle both the guys are already pulled in and for the most time they were running it off the side and you kind of overload one side of the zone and that's how you usually end up with something on the baseline or a corner three and then occasionally it would just be like okay well why did you initiate this two steps towards the middle where if you just would have leaned over a little bit to the side, you would have had a lane here. And it seemed like more of like, I saw Brad getting a lot of crap and like, sure. I don't have a problem with saying Spoelstra out coached him, but a lot of this has got to fall on the players to me. I think that the scheme that the idea is there, that these guys clearly know how to do it because we see stretches of them being fine against this zone, but Occasionally, they're not going out there and implementing what I believe that they know and Brad has made clear to them.
0: Yeah, and part of that to me comes down to youth. It comes down to these guys may have playoff experience, they may have finals experience, but these guys are still 23, 22 years old for the most part. You've got a bench full of first and second year guys. So it's all well and good having Jason Tatum as an all-star, but at the end of the day, he's still 22 years old. You're asking these guys to execute in an environment where they're being told that, you know, you can go ISO because Jason Tatum can get whatever he wants when he's ISO. That's great, but can he do it consistently? You don't want to find out, and this is what seems to be happening. You'll get stretches where Tatum or Brown or Smart and even Kemba, especially when Kemba's struggling early, these guys will go ISO and that then they'll figure it out and go for a stretch where they're playing Celtics, Brad Stevens basketball. And then once that confidence is there, bang, you straight back to that ISO ball. And to me, I've spoken about this in terms of defense, but it's the same on offense. It's it all comes down to discipline. How much offensive and defensive and structural discipline does this team have to operate for the full forty-eight minutes under a scheme where it's not about the individual, but it's about the collective. And for me, that's what makes Miami so dangerous, is they have the occasional rookie. Tyler Hero can go off, but he does it because everybody else is playing within the scheme. They play a specific brand of basketball, and they execute for the 448. With Boston, you don't know whether you're going to get 12 minutes of that, 36 minutes, but I'm still waiting to see a full 48 minutes of disciplined schematic basketball from this team. Going into this, you had Boston in seven, and
1: obviously that's still on the table. Um, And, yeah, I mean, with a lot of the issues being the effort not there for 48 total minutes the entire stretch of the game, you would think that coming out in an elimination game that that would be there. Like game one and two um, and three, Boston had a chance to blow blow them out. And I think if you came out in game five, happening later today and blew out the heat which I don't think is that crazy if you actually give that much effort for that long then you could still feel okay about the series right now we don't I, personally I feel really bad about this series I'm I think Miami takes it but if you I don't think it's crazy to think that Boston could come out in game 5 and just blow away the heat and you know really give everyone some optimism about your initial
0: prediction of Boston and seven. Yeah. I mean, look, my opinion on this is we talk about multiple players on this team being stars, the star power, the, the four horsemen that I coined it. Nobody likes, but I'm running with it. Okay. But we talk about this interchangeable, dynamic between four guys that most teams would love to have on their roster right now. You're about to see how good they are at this moment and how they can handle the pressure when their backs against the wall. Now, I tweeted out before. Well, it must've been like three days ago. Now I tweeted out saying the Celtics play best when they're under ducks. Well, this is the most they've had their backs up the wall since this core that this unit's been together with Hayward healthy, Kemba healthy. This is where we see what their mental fortitude's like and how they can battle under pressure. Can they perform? Can they hit the heights that everybody believes they can hit when they have no option other than to win? Or does that pressure become enough that they fold and they go revert back to that iso ball? Now, look, this isn't the same Celtics team as last year. This team's got to the conference finals. That's for a team, if Paul George can use the excuse that the Clippers didn't make it after a year of being together, well, with the upheaval that happened in the Celtics last offseason... To get to the finals, nobody was expecting that at the start of the year. Everyone was like, they're a piece or two away. But they're there. It's been the most craziest season ever. But I want to see what this team can do with their back against the wall. I still want to say they can do it in seven. But Miami have lost two games all playoffs. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. if they've lost two all playoffs, we're expecting them to lose three in a row now. I don't know if Boston can have that discipline to get that done. I hope they can. I genuinely do. But, I mean, I'm expecting them to win tonight, on Friday night. Whether or not they win the game after is a very big question mark for me.
1: Yeah, and at this point, it's it's hard to doubt Miami. Like, Boston could have a 25-point lead. I still would not feel good in the game until the final buzzer rings. Um, yeah, I mean, we can't take away from, like, the great basketball Miami has played. Like, we all expected that if it was Eastern Conference Finals – That would end up against the Milwaukee Bucks but because it's the Miami Heat sitting here I mean the Heat obviously the team to have taken out Milwaukee we all feel a little different I guess that Boston should be like Boston is the better team but yeah I mean where you've reached in the postseason was kind of the goal going in so I I think that where yeah I mean no matter what happens this is a good year moving forward for the Celtics but I do still hold out some hope they can do this in seven. I don't feel good about it. I wouldn't bet on it, but like there, there's a way that this happens. And obviously, it starts next game. And I think, yeah, you, you got to come out and not give Miami a sliver of hope in this one.
0: And then the question comes, and I've asked myself this, and I've spoke about this on the podcast throughout the regular season. My opinion's changed, but I want your opinion. Do you believe that with Kemba Walker as your starting point guard, Moving forwards with another year's wear and tear on those legs, from what you've seen in these playoffs, can he be the point guard for the Celtics to win a chip? I think he can. I think Kemba weirdly is going through
1: like this is his first playoff run. Like, I think that, you know, him getting targeted so heavily in schemes against great defensive teams is a little bit of a shock to him. Like, he hasn't had these experiences in these crucial moments so I think he's going to learn and he's going to get three more years of this with Boston assuming he's on the roster and I think that's going to do a lot for him and I've been doing a lot of uh, look at the draft and I think there's a good chance that you end up with Kemba's backup replacement that you would hope during the regular season could take a good amount of minutes there and, and ease the the pain and wear and tear that you're talking about on the knees from what definitely is a little bit of an older guy. I think right now he's he's been underwhelming for sure in these playoffs. I think, again, he's been targeted. He's been a great playmaker for the team while he's been out there, even if the shot's not going down. But I thought he was the guy that, like you mentioned, needing someone to come in and just take over. I thought Kimmel was that guy, and he hasn't been. But I think that that's just his first real playoff run
0: here. And who you got? Who you say is going to be his long-term successor coming in after draft?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, There's I a name I want to hear. It might, there is a name you want to hear? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'm leaning Kyra Lewis. That's the
0: name I wanted to hear.
1: Interesting. That's okay. my
0: favorite guard of who I expect to be
1: available for the Celtics. Tyrese Maxey is another one, but he's like a little more of a combo. I think Maxey, Celtics fan will fall in love with him. him and Smart together would be... They're both dogs. They're both dogs. And apparently, the Kentucky guys are the way to go.
0: It looks that way, right? Yeah. I just like Kira Lewis for his speed. I feel like that additional penetration off the bench with that like unfiltered, raw athleticism right. would be such a beneficial addition because you already have smart that can run the playmaking aspect. Having somebody that could really penetrate and tear up across the baseline and stuff would be phenomenal. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We're going to have a whole off-season at some point. It's feeling like it's looming close at the moment. So we can definitely get it's into rushed. some more of that stuff. we we'll definitely get some dress done and we can go from there. But for now, I personally, to finish the, the discussion, with, like the question I asked you, throughout the season, I was a little bit questionable on Canberra. I was worried he was going to be a target and I was very worried that his knees wouldn't hold up. His performances, to me, have been admirable. Even when he's struggled, he hasn't let his head drop. He's still been chipping away. He's been smiling. He's been a vocal and emotional leader. I think they can win a, cha- a championship with him, but I think they need more bench depth. And I think this series has been the real kicker. Like, you saw it against Toronto, but the matchups were a bit more favourable to Boston in this round that bench depth has really been what's hurt them. They haven't had, when everybody's struggling, there's been nobody they can bring in that's been a spark plug off that bench. Yeah, there's hardly anyone that's even playable off the
1: bench sometimes. Um, and I think that with the draft picks, I think that, you know, Grant will be a good role player off the bench next year. Maybe Robert Williams, Ojalay and Wanamaker, maybe not here. Um, but I think that with the draft picks they have I think that you'll get one good bench contributor at least throughout the regular season if even if that doesn't carry over into playoffs you know also obviously there is there is Romeo who you would he's probably the guy that's more of a regular season and then you'll see in playoffs even though he got a little bit of run I guess if he can stay healthy obviously but I think that with the three first rounders that you can either you package to move up and you end up with a guy that is going to contribute off the bench or you just take one at 16 and then maybe trade some of these later ones for, like I think the next deadline, Boston trades their first rounder for somebody that's going to be like a win now, help for the championship to bolster that bench because they didn't really do that this season. And I think that now is when you're you're feeling that a little bit. Just to
0: correct you, I don't think, I think, is it 16 that the Celtics are picking this year? I thought it was 14.
1: Let me check very quickly. You're right, it's 14.
0: Oh, I just wanted to make sure we could fact check ourselves because, you know, people who want to fact check us, we've got to be willing to fact check ourselves. Good catch. Um, Good catch. The one thing we, where you're saying win now, and we're talking about an addition that can help moving into the playoffs next year, I think that's where Miami done phenomenally in Iggy. You're seeing the impact that he's making on the defensive end for Miami now, and that was a move where they've bought him in on a one plus one with the play, with the team option on the second year to allow flexibility. And you hope that Danny Ainge would look at the roster next year depending on who they bring in. I've got guys I like throughout the first round that I feel that could add value in certain aspect, one aspect to another. This team has got the do-it-all guys. What they need now is specialist players. They need guys to come in with one sole role and that can do that role well. So you need a floor stretching four or five that can come in and literally just post up and stretch the floor. If they can facilitate them, great. And you need a go-to scorer off the bench. Those are the two biggest things for me. I'm not one that say, I don't believe they need a big. If nobody read Kevin O'Connor's piece on the the current state of current affairs with bigs where you either be special or be a specialist on the ringer, then I really highly recommend you read that because that will you'll come away from that believing more in what Boston's doing once you've read it than what you do going in. Um, So a big man to me isn't a necessity. A floor-stretching four or five that's going to come in and just shoot threes and really put pressure on that defense to open up driving lanes, definitely. I'm just not sure that like I mean, look, Kelly Olynyk's that guy from Miami, and he didn't really play last night. Did he even get any minutes yesterday? I think they actually cut him out of the rotation yesterday. Uh, yeah, he did not play yesterday. You see, but so, he really but it's not playing earlier in the series. Yeah, it's not like they have to play every game. but It's being able to put that person on the floor when when the game needs it to open that those lanes up for somebody. And at the moment, Boston just doesn't have that luxury of being able to go to their bench and manipulate the other teams scheme and sets just mm-hmm. by having a, a personnel change it just doesn't happen because everything they've got is so carbon copy but like a, a poor man's carbon copy of what they've already had out with the first unit that there's just no teams don't have to be flexible that can be rigid in their defense because they know whatever comes off the bench is just the worst version of what's gone to the bench right right yeah i think
1: that uh at the same time, while i I do criticize him a bit for not moving first rounders, it is a really young core like re- when it comes down to it, your core is Jalen Jason Marcus is there as well, um but he's a bit older, Kemba and Gordon obviously older, so like while I am you know move one of these picks and focus like get an asset that's gonna help you win right now, you're a conference finals team at the same time like it's understandable if they hold on to the picks and keep going young and as long as they are like not super project players um so yeah i mean there's not too many ways they can go wrong i think the team's going to come back better next year no matter but
0: we're talking like it's over there's one more game tonight they still got this there's one more thing i want to say here and this is going to alienate some people so i'm going out on a limb before the last game, Marcus Smart said in a pregame presser or a pregame interview that he was the leader of that team. I'm fine with him saying that. I have no problem with him saying that. The next words that came out of his mouth, I have a very big problem with. He said, This is my team. No, it maybe used to be your team, but this is Jason Tatum's team now. Then it's Jalen Brand's team. Then just maybe it's your team, but your third honcho. And I feel like that mentality in itself is going to be a problem moving forward because for as good as Smart is and for all the cult-like following that is generated that sometimes is completely dumbfounding me, he is—he may be the leader, but this is not his team. And I really hope that he doesn't truly believe that himself because it could lead to some issues further down the line yeah that's
1: interesting i hadn't seen that quote and i i would guess that and this is just me speculating that he's just kind of doubling down on the leader thing with that line that like me being the leader of this team meaning i'm leading my team you know um so i don't know i I don't worry too much about smart mentality wise obviously there was the stuff that went on in the locker room behind closed doors um but they weirdly kind of already seem recovered from that it was a pretty short-lived story um So, yeah, I don't worry too much, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on, and I see where you're coming from there.
0: Yeah, more so because, you know, you're moving into the final two years of his contract. There's going to be some tough decisions to be made. He's got the most tradable contract on the roster. His value's never going to be higher than what it is right now. Coming off his best shooting season, another all-defensive first team. If you were... And I'm not advocating for this at all, so please don't come from my neck here. But what I'm saying is, is... Things like that followed by a, a night where you take and miss a bunch of shots. And if Danny Ainge feels like a trade needs to happen where you can bring back some real value off the bench, then it, it's most likely going to be smart.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. He's, uh, again, on the bit of the older side, but if you're talking compared to J, JB and JT. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I don't think his value is going to get much higher than it's at right now. And like you're saying, contractually, it makes sense. I see where you're coming from. And his name is definitely going to be thrown out there in trade rumors. So crest of we'll the see. wave, man. He's on the crest of the wave. He is. He is. Um, you have anything else on uh, this? No, Miami I think, series, I think everyone's
0: going to come for our head off that one. Yeah, bit. I think I think so. I think so. So we'll leave it there. Um, uh, if you haven't got nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. If you do have something nice to say, <laughs> then uh, you can hit me and Brendan up on Twitter. You can leave those five star reviews. Again, if it's not nice, just don't leave it. It's fine. And we'll be back again on Monday when we're either going to be really happy or really solemn. Really happy. We got it. really happy. And if uh, if we are really happy, then me and Brendan are going to find a way to partner party to party from five thousand yeah. miles away. Yeah. we got this guys we'll catch you Monday Brandon sign off bye bye